Hey, online crew, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm not enough unless you come. Man, that song is so meaningful and powerful. And we're in this series called Blessed, hashtag blessed, finding clarity and the good life through the words of Jesus. We've been walking through what is famously known as the Sermon on the Mount, if you're not familiar with that, because man, this is like your first time experiencing church, then awesome, I'm super jealous. What we're walking through is Jesus' most famous sermon, the best sermon, and talk about intimidating, trying to preach a sermon on the best sermon is really difficult, but we're doing our best. Josh, the intern, crushed it last week with a, a message on salt and light. I kicked it off two weeks ago looking at the heart and where our heart's supposed to be at to experience the blessing God has for us. I hope those have been meaningful, and I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of them so far, man, go, go online, gracefreechurch.net slash talks, and check them out. My goal, right, by the end of this series is for us to just know this sermon, some of Jesus' most famous words, deep in our souls, have it affect our life so that we can all, like, live that blessed life. It's not what you think. Is way better. Would you just pray with me and we'll get into it? Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, we thank you for all, man, we're just spread out right now. We're in all different kinds of places, dealing with all different kinds of things, but you know our hearts. You know the hairs on our heads. You know what we need. You know the distractions that are stealing attention from our minds and our hearts and from you. You, you know us deeply and you love us. And I pray in these moments that we would be able to set aside all of that other junk and connect our souls with you through your word. It is good, it is true, and it is useful. We love you. Would your spirit just do its thing in these moments? In Jesus' name, amen. The series is hashtag blessed, and today's sermon title is called hashtag inside out, inside out. And I want to start this message that we're going we're gonna to be jumping into a passage in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. I just want to read some of it to you, and then I want to talk about inside out and dirty laundry. Jesus said this in Verse 17 of Matthew 5, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore... Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, when you, when you hear those, what you could put in place of those, that when the Bible talks about the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, to make it simple, when you hear that in Scripture, you could just put religious people, religious leaders. Um, surpasses that of the religious leaders, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
He would go on to give some examples here in these next couple passages. And today, we're going to end up hitting the murder the murder one, the adultery one, the divorce one, the oath one. Like I know, like it's, and then we'll hit the next couple next week. But this is such a deep and meaningful passage and it's so important and it's difficult to understand and it's confusing to know what Jesus is talking about. And I want to break this down and help you understand the big point to this part of the Sermon on the Mount because it's the big point to life. And without clarity on this big point, man, the good life, the life Jesus has for you will always be elusive. I, I want to start by talking about dirty laundry and, um, and, and the good life and, uh, and inside out stuff. You ever, you have some of these around your home? Like I'm, I'm not usually allowed to touch these because I've been told that my folding is the worst in the world. I, I'm not intentionally trying not to get good at it. I just, I just stink. My kids all, I, I was folding one of my daughter's shirts and, I, and everybody started laughing at me. I'm like, why are you laughing? And they're like, you took such good time, like folding everything and getting it all right. And like, then, then the sleeve was out so I just like jammed it in there dirty laundry and folding dirty laundry and what I've learned having children being in a home spending some time with dirty laundry that one of the most frustrating things can be when stuff is not properly placed in the dirty laundry bin to begin with because sometimes those things they go through this is not a real dirty sock it's it's okay it's clean I just made it look dirty pretty sure. Yeah, still clean. <laughs> One of the most frustrating things, right, is when everything gets turned inside out. Because then you got to go through the wash and, and stuff like a sock will go through the wash. Is that even clean if it goes through the wash like that? It never quite gets dry. You have to spend the extra seconds putting it the right side out before you fold it and put it in your drawer. And I don't know why that makes me and every other person insane. Come on, parents, you know it makes you insane when you're folding laundry and you have to take that extra second to turn something inside out or right side out before you fold it. It's just infuriating. It's so frustrating when everything gets turned inside out. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, forget it. I'll just fold it and put it in my drawers and fix it when I get to wearing it. But the problem is, have you ever done this? Like, you, you ever put something on inside out? One time I was racing to, um, to get out the door and I grabbed a button-down shirt. I love button-down shirts and uh, they're easy to, to throw on and all that stuff. I threw this button-down shirt on and I went out the door fast. I was meeting with people, doing all this stuff. I thought I looked cool because it was open. Went to the store. I got back to the office. I thought, man, things, I, I, let's just button it up. I got a meeting tonight. I might as well, like, go formal. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I sometimes wear button-up shirts the right way, but not this day, because I went to button it after a day of wearing it cool. <laughs> like, and I realized that it had been inside out in public the entire day. So awkward. No real friends, apparently, 
to tell me, hey, bro, your shirt's on inside out. I love you, so I'm going to point it out to you. Even if it may be awkward or difficult or frustrating for you, I'm going to point it out to you so you can get it right. It's awkward. What if you walked around with your heart inside out? I mean, we see it sometimes, right? People who wear their heart on their sleeve. You know people like that? I've been accused of being a person like that. You see it, right? Like something about those people, it's kind of refreshing to look at the person who wears their heart on the sleeve, but then it can go south really fast. Like the person who posts all their dirty laundry on Facebook, their heart on their sleeve. All the stuff that's going on inside, unfiltered, and shown to people that maybe shouldn't see it. You know what that's like when somebody wears their heart on their sleeve or shares too much information? When they walk around inside out and you see what's been going on in their heart, it can be awkward, and it can make you a little nervous, too. I mean, people like that, they make me, it it makes me a little bit, it makes me a little bit nervous, because there's something about us that, that we like to have the outside look good, even if the inside is a mess. And Jesus here, in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, he is... I kind of feel like this is a new style. Maybe I'll leave this on for the rest of the talk. Jesus is about to, he's about to turn the entire system, the entire way they think about religion and God inside out. And it's a little difficult. It can be nerve-wracking and uncomfortable. And feel awkward. Even as we dig into this today, it can be uncomfortable and awkward and nerve-wracking just to turn it inside out and take a good look at what really is going on in our hearts. And what this whole thing is really all about. It's awkward. And Jesus is about to turned the whole thing on its head. You see, so far what he has done is he has, he has grabbed their attention. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of help. I mean, he has their attention. He has drawn them in. He has shown them that the heart is what matters most. And then he has told them about their unique purpose. He has told them about their unique calling, that they're salt and light in the world. And now he's going to flip it all on their heads, all on their heads. And, and he says, like, listen, listen, you think I've come to abolish? No, I haven't come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill them. Not even a letter will fall off of the laws that have come, but I have until everything I came to do is accomplished. Don't miss the least of these commandments. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven it's 
crazy and huge and hard to understand. And here is the big point. We're about to get into some stuff. Don't miss the big point Jesus is making right now with some examples to follow. This is different. It's different than religion. Life my way is better. And you need me. It's a huge big point. And if you don't get that, if you don't get that what Jesus is teaching is different and better than religion, that his way is different and better than religion, if you don't get that life his way is better, and if you miss the fact that we can't, it's impossible without him, the rest of this sermon, all of these examples, none of them make sense. He's saying there's two ways, and if you notice the two ways are this, it's not the world and their way and religion and its way. Jesus is saying there's two ways in this passage. There's religion and there's my way. Two ways, choose. How are you going to live your life? Two ways. And then he gives this rundown. He, he gives these examples. <laughs> they're, they're nervous. They make me nervous. I, I'm looking deep into my heart on these two examples and they're they're, I'm going to have to get, ditch the shirt right now because it's making me sweat a little bit. I'm looking at this list, and there's part of me that's like, oh, man, as he goes through the rundown. He says, you've heard it said. He drops back to the Ten Commandments as his examples to prove his point that what he brings is different than religion. What he brings is a better way. What he brings is a reminder that you can't do it without him. And the first thing he does is like he says, talks about murder. You, you've heard it said not to murder. Everybody's like, yeah, we got that one. Hopefully everybody here is like, yeah, okay, good. Didn't murder anybody this week. That's good. Check that off the religious list. But he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. What? He goes on and he's like, call somebody a name. Say Raka and you fool and you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. He goes on and he talks about how if you have an issue with a brother or sister and you're coming to worship, like, hit the brakes, pump them, tap it, slow down before you offer what you want to offer to God. Go make it right. Go make it right. The people in the audience had to be like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. First you said that if I'm not better than the religious leaders, I'm never even going to get into the kingdom of heaven. If I let some of these laws, these 600-some laws that we learned about as a child from the Torah, if I let one of these, these laws drop, I'm going to be the least in the kingdom. And now you're telling me that it's not even enough to not murder somebody. That I, I'm in trouble if I'm angry. <laughs> and if I call someone, and, and now everybody in church, right, is like, oh, man, this doesn't feel so good. The examples just keep stacking up. He said, you've heard it said that you should not commit, commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And then he says these 
crazy things like going on. It's, it's, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Don't, that's, not, that's hyperbole. Jesus is saying whatever it takes. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body. It's hyperbole. Don't miss it. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it out, off and throw it out. What? Are you kidding me? Like, our hearts are in trouble. Divorce, it's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. You've heard it said to the people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. I went through those quickly, but man... Don't miss the big point. Jesus is using these examples to show that what he, his way is different than religion. Life, his way, is the good life and better. And it's impossible without him. Man, I, I read that, I'm like, what? It's so hard to like, Think about those words and what he's saying, and it's a little bit depressing. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, like, listen, there's, there's two ways. Which one are you going to pick? Now, I don't want to miss this, too. There's some really important stuff in this passage about doing life the way Jesus calls us to do life. And it's impossible without him, but that's okay, because he's here saying, I'm, I'm with you, I'm here for you. It's impossible without him. But I don't want to miss like the nitty-gritty of these examples here, because Jesus lays down some really important life lessons, some really important big life principles, mostly as they apply to our relationships that you can pull from these examples of murder, adultery, divorce, and oath. And isn't that the point, right? Like, instead of just trying to check off the big thing, pay attention to what's on the inside. This is the inside-out kingdom, as Timothy Keller, a famous pastor and theologian, would call it, the inside-out kingdom and so here's seven life principles that I don't want to miss. One is like, man, Jesus is really saying relationships are a priority. It's easy to neglect what's most important as we run through life just trying to check things off our list. And I wonder if you've maybe been neglecting the things that are most important. In God's kingdom, relationships are a priority, number one. Number two, people aren't objects. I mean, that's what we do. That's what, that's what the like, pornographic industry is built on. That's what we do when we lash out in anger at somebody because we don't get our own way, when we lust after somebody in our hearts. I mean, what we're doing is we're dehumanizing people and we're treating them as objects. And Jesus is like, people aren't objects. People are created in my image. They hold intrinsic value. It is deep. They are image bearers of God himself. Do not treat them like objects. Another important like kingdom characteristic of life a life principle in the kingdom is this. Our relationships are not transactional. I mean, when it's talking about marriage, right, in, in here, it's not about doing a, 
a contract. It's about doing a, a, a covenant before God, a covenant that is supposed to reflect God's covenant to us. It's a big deal what God makes one. Don't easily separate. Let no man tear it apart. And what happened in this culture is divorce was like something people were, it was, you would go to, you would go get a certificate of divorce. It was, it was crazy. They would go get it for their meal being cold when they got home. If, if, if the woman forgot to do a chore at home, they would go divorce them. And in this time and culture, the women were always the victims. It was always extremely difficult. Essentially, they were ruining their lives forever just to serve themselves. Your relationships are not transactional. Don't treat them like contracts. And as soon as somebody disappoints you or lets down their end of it, that you just cut them loose or disregard them or feel the freedom to break your side of the contract, Jesus' principle for doing life is that we treat people better. Number four, we're not victimizing people to serve ourselves. And the fifth principle is this, to hold high putting others before yourself. He goes on and he talks about O's. It was the loopholes that they would find. It would be held, they would be held in a high standard if they swore by heaven, but they wouldn't want to swear by heaven. They would swear by lesser things, by earth, by the temple, by Jerusalem. It was always looking for a loophole in life, a shortcut, a way to hedge their bet. Maybe I'll be there. I'm planning on it. My intentions are good. But maybe not. Instead, Jesus says, life principle number seven, just live honestly. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's a better way to live, but the big point of this sermon, of this section of the sermon, it, it cannot be missed. What Jesus brings is different. He's turning it all inside out because, well, because you know people who look good on the outside, but on the inside are rotten. You know people who look religious and morally right, behave well, have it all put together on the outside, but on the inside are awful. He's turning it all inside out. Because we miss it when we think that the outside matters more than the inside. He's turning it all inside out because this, treating the symptoms doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, the, what needs to be treated is the cause of all the destruction and all the hurt and all the pain and all the mess in our life. That The cause of it, the sin that resides in us and others around us, that's what needs the remedy and he brings the remedy to life. He turns it all inside out because it's not about, this is not about some moral checklist where you look at other people and think that you are better or more spiritual than them because of how things look on the outside or the things you check off the list, the, the, the go to church checkbox, the pray every day checkbox, the don't cuss checkbox, the show everybody how good you are at reading your Bible checkbox, sound real spiritual by saying some big words checkbox let everybody know how much you give checkbox like this isn't about your moral checkboxes this is about being made new he turns it all inside out because we need him 
Life with him is good. His way is different. And we need him. I'm going to have Scott come up to kind of illustrate this point. When I, when I look at that list and these examples, I feel so bad. It's, it's like if you don't have the big point in picture and you read that, man, it's like we're all guilty. I can't do that. You know how many times I say, call people names in my head? <laughs> I'm good at not calling them names out loud, but I'm not good at not calling them in my, I, I look at that, I'm like, man, if that's equal to murder, then I'm in trouble. We look at that list and it's like, man, I can't do all these things and we make mistakes and Jesus shows us a better way, but I can't, I can't do it even if I want to. And that's the entire point. Religion is about what you can do. Christianity is about what Jesus does for us. See, before he runs into these examples, he says, nothing's fallen off the wall. It's all here to stay, but I have fulfilled it. I have fulfilled it for you. See, this isn't about religion or what you can do. This is about what Jesus does for you. It's the most freeing thing. It's the most beautiful thing. And yes, there is a way to live that is better. And Jesus, he gives it to us. Those seven principles lived out in life are better. And if you start living by those principles, your life will improve. But it's so much more than that. He's saying like, this is a better way. And it's a way with me. You don't have to check things off the box to get to God. God came to you. And fulfilled it. I just want to show you what this looks like, right? Like, so religion is like a scale. Y'all ever have a kid learning to play a guitar? It's awful. <laughs> or, you know, Scott, right? Like, you probably have done this a lot with people. When kids learn to play, they just learn to scale at first. And the parents suffer for months. Because this is all you hear. Like on the trumpet, on the piano, on the keyboard, on anything. You just, kids got to learn the flute. They got to learn, they got to learn it. And what they do is they just learn scales. And it's, there's some importance and value in the scales. And there's some things to build off. But the scales in themselves, they're kind of empty. Like religion. It gives you some scales and some notes, but it's missing the main thing, what, what makes it beautiful. And a scale, it doesn't have that. What Jesus brings is grace. And what grace does is it turns the scale into a song. And that song is your life. All of a sudden, uh, empty notes. What so many people experience as religion. It's why so many people leave church. It's why so many people think this religion thing is boring. It's why so many people think that God just wants to ruin their lives by giving them a bunch of rules to follow. It's because all they ever hear are the scales of religion, but that's not what Jesus has. What Jesus says is, I bring something different. It's a different way. It's a, it's a life that is better. And you can't do it without me. 
So if you're feeling defeated or lost or like religion is empty or you're looking at the examples and you're feeling depressed because you're not good at them because you make a lot of mistakes, that's okay. Grace wins the day and it'll make your life into a beautiful song. The notes will ring out. And you may not hear the whole song in a moment, but one day you'll look back and you'll see all that God has done through your life as you've followed Him and depended on Him. And what you will see is a beautiful song that He wrote as you followed Him. That's the difference. I have a different way. It's better. And you can't do without me. But I have fulfilled it for you. Just walk with me. Such a beautiful picture. And then the, 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 the key, right, is like, choose. Play empty religion follow Jesus. Choose. Try to keep the rules together all by yourself. Or just lean into him. Listen to his voice. Follow the song he's writing in your life. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful that this isn't religion, that it's so much better. That you have a good life for us. It's a it's a life where we live by your principles of your inside-out kingdom. It's a better life, but we ultimately are reminded that we can never do it successfully on our own. And that's good, because that's religion. It's trying to get to you on our own. Never let that distract us. Get in the way of our relationship with you us to be reminded that grace wins the day in our hearts every day when we're following Jesus. We're so thankful for this grace that you provide through the cross. We're so thankful that this kingdom is an inside-out kingdom. As we worship you, would you just fill our hearts with joy? As we sing these last songs, overwhelm us with your love. In Jesus' name.